0: Guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project podcast. And this is a special episode of the podcast because I'm recording it from my car. And I'm um, in my car, I'm on my way to Coral Gables, in particular to the bookstore. And the reason I'm going there is because although I'm recording this on Friday, and although this is not the last night that I can spend in my apartment, I don't have to be out until Monday, uh, this is the last night that I will. Be staying in there. It's the um you know tomorrow I'm getting the U-Haul and moving my bed over to my girlfriend's place. And the larger implication of that, which didn't hit me until like noon today, is that this is the last night in the foreseeable future that I will be spending alone in a in a bedroom of my own, a place that I don't share with someone. Granted I share the apartment with a roommate who is being weird, but um yeah this is my last i don't know what how people use the term bachelor really but um bachelor in a in a bachelor bed and i started thinking like hey i should do something to observe the fact that this is the last night like that you know i should do i should celebrate this somehow or just some kind of recognition so i don't don't know i'm very mindful of like anniversaries and i always try to acknowledge them somehow but the same thing happens every time I make that attempt. Which is, first thing that happens is I notice this is some kind of anniversary, or this is a, a momentous occasion, and I should I should recognize it somehow. And then what immediately begins is a very conflicted, like miserable process of trying to think of what I should do in order to honor, acknowledge, celebrate the occasion. And then as hours go by, and that particular date, the date that ought to be recognized, as it slips away, uncelebrated i get really angry with myself and i'm like fuck i really should have done something nice to sort of celebrate that this is the anniversary of whatever but at the same time once it's gone and now i feel like a failure and an asshole for having not celebrated it i also feel tremendous and poignant relief that i am no longer like at the tip of the spear having to celebrate it and i was sitting at my desk and i was like i'll just record a podcast about this and so i start i boot up my computer and i plug in the mic and i was getting ready to do it, and then I started feeling horribly sick, like immediately nauseous and hot, and I was sweating and shit, and um, I went and I took a shower, like a, cold, a fairly cold shower in the middle of the day, and when I got out, I sat down at my desk intending to, you know, if I was feeling okay, start recording something, and I, I was feeling a little bit better, but then I, the prospect of trying to be productive for some reason is exactly what triggered this you know, nausea kind of thing. The way I'm thinking about it now is that room is kind of feeling like a prison lately. Things are very tense with my roommate for reasons I don't totally understand. And I think some part of my brain was saying like, oh, what, we're gonna celebrate imprisonment by being imprisoned and doing work at this desk? So I decided not to, and instead I went, I, yeah, I just, I got dressed and I'm on my way to books and books, and what I'm gonna get are the first two volumes of, of the series of unfortunate events because although I'm not entirely moved over to my girlfriend's place, I, I took almost all of my books there and she found among them like my very neatly preserved early editions of a series of unfortunate events that I had in elementary school. I was already writing fiction when I was like 10. When I was, I started writing short stories in third grade and I discovered the series of unfortunate events when I was in fourth grade. But I also kind of feel like I might not have become a writer had I not discovered a series of unfortunate events because while I was a voracious reader and I liked stories and I liked action and comedy and, and, sh- and spookification and shit like that, Lemney Snicket's series of unfortunate events was the first thing I ever read where I felt... Something I probably could not have described at the moment, which was voice. I felt like someone was talking to me, and I think it was the first thing I ever read where I realized I was not as interested in the story as I was in the company of that narrator. I wanted to hear Lemony Snicket tell a story, and I didn't give a fuck what the story was. And now I'm thinking, like, what better way of, of showing that I am, like unshackled to a, to a lease, unshackled to a neighborhood I don't, I, I'm not really vibing with anymore, unshackled from a roommate, unshackled from work or unshackled from whatever. Then going back to like the fucking books that were, that meant so much to me when I was growing up. I re- that's one of the few series that I read over and over. Fuck, it's so weird to re- to think of myself doing this at like age 11 or whatever, but it's very on brand. I had some kind of soul crisis at the prospect of finishing the series, so I didn't. I did not read the last volume, and then I think there's I think there's like two coda volumes. So I am a little kind of surprised to find that these children's books are 13.50 a copy, but I'm on my way to buy the first two copies. And interestingly, you know, I was confronted with that question this afternoon. How do I pay homage of some kind. How do I acknowledge the fact that I'm leaving this place that I've lived in for four years? And coincidentally I today walking around Brickle, I was listening to an interview with Daniel Handler, which is the author who uses the synonym, uh, excuse me the pseudonym Lemony Snicket. And at one point the interviewer asked, Daniel Handler a very complex question and Daniel Handler said wow that's an enormous question and then he looked around and he goes but this is an enormous room and then he like just kind of didn't answer it or he, he made a sort of tepid attempt um, but then I was thinking I thought that was a, such a fitting analogy because I was like that how do I acknowledge how do I pay tribute to the fact that this is my last night as like bachelor dude in a bachelor pad it's a small, simple question, and I'm in a small, simple room. Really, I, you know, the, the answer to that question is fucking acknowledge it by doing whatever you wanna do. Like, have a peaceful night. Just have the sort of night where you're gonna rest well. And yeah, if there, I do think there is, there was a major personal change that took place in Little Havana, I'd, I think it was going to happen anyway, but the fact that it happened in Little Havana means it was it was seasoned in mojo, and uh, it's, it's, you know, nestled in rice. I What I think happened, and you listening to this, maybe, if you're listening to this on a regular basis, this show, you might disagree, I think I matured. I think I stopped being, I don't know, man, just, I'm not quite as angry and meandering as I was when I first showed up there. I'm a little more mindful of what is expected of me in the world and how I ought to behave and what is responsible and what is not. And I was just talking about this yesterday that I... I in 1997, to take you back a minute, Stephen King left his publisher. And it was a big news item. It's inconceivable today that such a thing would make headlines. He left his publisher and he was sort of on the market, and any publisher that wanted to acquire Stephen King, put him in a long contract, was free to make their pitch, and surprisingly the the mood among publishers was like, you know what fuck you <laughs> not like animosity towards Stephen King but their attitude was like you know, this dude, he's worth fucking fortune and he's probably gonna demand a fortune he knows what he's worth so that's what he's gonna request and i have i have real fucking like wage resentment and i think it's because i've been exploited and it's a strong word to use and obviously i'm saying this in retrospect but i think i've been exploited by a long succession of employers who paid me minimum wage and when they were hiring me Like, they conducted the interview with grave deliberation, as if, don't know, they weren't sure if they wanted to invest eight whole dollars an hour in this young, physically capable person who was going to do tasks and chores that would ultimately play a role in generating thousands and thousands of dollars for the store. I'm also bitter about the fact that, like, I worked for a ghostwriter for about a year, and at one point he asked me to... Fucking, I'm gonna say I'm a good reader and I'm a good writer those are not skills that I cultivated quickly and he had me read an entire manuscript and it took me like 15 hours and I I paid very close attention to things I was basically copy editing it but also just annotating it with commentary anyways I did it I, I wrote sort of like three chunky paragraphs in an email explaining everything that I had done and my reasons for doing it and then I sent it off to him and that night he wrote back thanks just just thanks and i was so offended that i sent him an email saying hey instead of 10 dollars an hour i'm going to be charging 50 from now on 50 and he wrote back saying how's 3250 so right away Like, if I, if I had been thinking with my head instead of my ego, I would have been like, sweet, fuck, that's like, he's tripling my pay. But instead, I just got so fucking angry by the way that he communicated immediately that he was aware I was worth triple. He was willing to concede that my time was worth triple what he had been paying me for a year. And... If if an employer is willing to pay you a certain amount, it is a it is a it is a, a palm lifted testimony to Christ that he knows you're worth double that or at least like forty five percent more. I was so fucking mad, and then I just stopped working for him, and and that was one of the first things that happened to me. Hold on, sorry, getting my ticket in the parking garage. That was one of my first professional experiences when I had moved into this apartment. And um, I do think that that was hot-headed, and it was impetuous, and I wouldn't do it the same way today. Instead, I would reason with him the way that I'm explaining it to you. I would explain my perspective and uh, the ways in which I felt mistreated, whatever. And you know what, in that situation, yes, thirty-two fifty an hour, that's a lot of fucking money. That would have been good to accept. Yeah, what I would do today is I would accept that pay raise, but I would ladle on a tremendous amount of guilt in a, in as subtle a way as possible. I would just make it very, very clear that I felt exploited and that I would never quite trust him again, which shows I'm not still totally mature. Um, it shows that I'm willing only, like I still am willing to have a toxic work relationship with someone so long as I get my point across. But also what seems n- not insignificant is I wrote three novels in the four years that I spent at this apartment two of them failed completely and then the third one appears to have found success and it found success literally like as I'm out the door and so it feels like some kind of I don't know not hibernation went on but there's something poetic in there threes and the holy trinity the rule of threes in comedy and so yeah I'm gonna sp- not burden myself with trying to be incredibly productive today, trying to generate something very interesting or amusing on the basis of this checkpoint. Instead, I'm going to quietly acknowledge it, and my way of celebrating it is gonna to be to like, just tell myself I can relax. Like, I don't have to do anything. This is a checkpoint that does mark growth. Like, is it inconvenient that I have to move out? Absolutely. But it also feels really overdue. And I do feel like a different person, and what, like, The majority of my time living in this apartment, I had a bunch of friends in the area, but they kind of weren't friends. They were bartenders, and I got chummy with them, and, you know, if I went to one bar and they were getting off their shift, I would go with them to another one, or they would join me at the bar, and I was on all these dating apps, and so I was constantly going on, like, first and second dates and no more, and I was hanging out with my friends more often. It was pre-COVID. You know, Bob and Linda lived just a few blocks away, and it was very social, it was very kinetic. I was jumping across so many different projects at a time. And now I'm at a point where my social orbit has constricted to like the, the diameter of a coin. I basically just hang out with my girlfriend and I talk with two, I'm in a group chat with two friends. I, I hang out with my friend Bree now and then, but otherwise I, like I don't really talk to anyone. I focus on one big, all-encompassing project at a time. And my life just feels a little more like, it's got more direction. So, I am writing a nonfiction thing. I've been working on it for a couple of weeks. It's a, it's a personal essay, and it's not full of opinionizing or theorizing or trying to encapsulate what this period meant. I'm just trying to write concise, vivid vignettes of the experiences I had. Like the little world what has come to seem to me its own contained world the characters at my laundromat the characters at the place where i used to always get breakfast uh the characters in my building especially the homeless people with whom i've, I've sort of developed some kind of rapport here and there if there is any kind of emotional processing of my experience that's going on it will manifest in that piece which is slowly percolating and i think i'm just going to brood over it for a very long time but i wanted to sort at least do this get this off my chest articulate it basically to myself that, you know, an anniversary is not An anniversary or a momentous occasion, something that you feel is deserving of recognition, it shouldn't be a burden. That's not a chore. It's not like there is a warden of occasions who is going, who's like cracking a whip or beating a baton into his palm, like expecting you to show up with, I don't know, to raise a toast. Instead, I'm going to do tonight the same thing I do every night, Pinky. I'm going to go to Batch Gastro Pub. I'm going to tell myself I'm only going to have three beers, I'm then going to have four and probably pick up. A chicken quesadilla and then I'm gonna go home to my desk I'm gonna eat that chicken quesadilla at my desk watching something on YouTube and then I'm gonna go to bed and it's something I've done many many nights before many 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 nights before and tonight I'm just gonna do it for the last time so I'm parked in this parking garage now and I'm gonna go buy some shit that meant a lot to me as a kid and thanks for listening and I will talk to you on the other side of whatever this is.